We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome everybody to week 13 solo ship jam. How, how was your week? Did you, did you play a lot of Josh Jacobs? Cause I know we talked about him on the show last week and that, that 80 yard touchdown in overtime was, you know, was a big slate changer. Oh, of course I played Josh Jacobs. I had my um, one of Josh Jacobs or Devonte Adams rule on every roster. So I had, uh, I think like 45% Josh Jacobs. I also had like eight to 10% Zay Jones. So that ended up being really nice in um in large field play interestingly uh i had some rosters that were really live in the slant heading into the late games if Devonte adams had had like a 35 pointer because i had nobody ahead of me with Devonte adams um so he disappointed and so those rosters kind of fell back and then rosters that were further back jumped up with jacob so uh yeah another nice weekend but here's a crazy thing for you i haven't told you this uh had josh jacobs on my main roster in high dollar single entry and didn't cash so somehow managed to have a a 51-pointer at 3% ownership uh, and did not finish in the money. So that was one of those, like, kind of – it took, like, two days. I wasn't really frustrated, but it was just, like, how on earth is that possible? And I had, like, I had Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. I had Rashad White and Jeff – like, I didn't do anything crazy on those rosters. I had the Jets defense. Um, but Donovan Peoples-Jones had uh, his second-worst game of the season. And, uh, on you know, I kind of mixed and matched, like, Demarcus Robinson and Traylon Burks and Zay Jones, but I had Demarcus Robinson on that roster and uh, he put up a dud. And so, yeah, just one of those random things where you're like, I don't know how it's possible to do it, but I did it. Yeah. There are, there are weeks when I look back and I, I don't know how I didn't win money. Right. And it, it tends to be higher. I think higher scoring weeks, maybe where, I mean, yeah, where of course, like you look at the scores you're used to seeing and thinking like, Oh, I did great. Except for the not getting any money, you know, but yeah. like, everybody <laughs> else was, you know, was, was spot on. Um, and I, I think sometimes when football does come down to the defense, you know, which is why it's a good good place to to, to pivot in, in you know single entry or right, or right, right. hundred and fifty lineups because that really is it's almost like a random number that that you get assigned to your roster, and if it if it doesn't hit, it, it can be difficult. Um, and so yeah, so the Miami defense did well along with Jack Jacobs, um, I think, and then like the Chiefs defense uh, did did okay, I think, but it was it was heavily 
chalky on, on DraftKings. Yeah, like 11 points from the Chiefs, eight from the Jets. Like neither of those were, I mean, those are pretty solid scores, especially the price tags we spent. Um, not difference making, right? Like the week before, uh, you know, like finished second in the in the 100K power sweep. And part of that was Patriots defense putting up 17 points. Like you say, like that random number assigned to your roster. And I've said that before of like, you look at your week and you're like, man, I did great. And they're like, yeah, but if I'd gotten six points from defense instead of 17, that's a totally different week. That's one of the reasons too, we've talked about this, of the value of just paying a little bit more for defense where people don't spend that extra three or 400 and you get a lot more upside. When there's like a 2.4K defense that can legitimately put up 10 plus points, that's one thing. But when it's like the chalky defense is 3,100 and you can get another defense for 35 or 36 or 37, they can actually break the slate. Uh, at low ownership, the value of doing that is is so great. Um, and I think a week like this with so much upside across the board, people will have a harder time paying up a defense. So I've actually spent so much time this week looking at all the offensive components that I really don't even have a strong handle on the higher price defenses yet. But I do think that's going to be an, an interesting way to go. And I'm, I'm really curious to get your thoughts on this slate for single entry because I see this is like maybe my favorite large field slate of the season, but I have, um, I have, you know, some high dollar single entry rosters reserved, but I'm also reserving the right to withdraw those on Saturday night. Cause I'm kind of like, I don't know if I want to put in like a large chunk of bankroll on single entry on a week like this, where there's so many different spots for upside. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting week when we, when we talk about single entry for sure. It is. It's so it's, it seems like it's pretty wide open and there's more games. I mean, like we're not used to this many games. We've kind of gotten into this this like groove of, of like ten game slates. I think it was twelve games for this slate, and we have much higher scoring games than we had the, the previous weeks. Uh, there's not as many quarterbacks not on the like not on the main slate. Um, so I, I think it's like only only two teams on the bye week, and then it does it particularly in the afternoon. I think it's the first time in a while we've had four afternoon games, and we've got some high totals there. So we've got the Chargers and Raiders, uh, I think, are at, at 49 and a half. We got Chiefs and, and Bengals. I think that's the highest of the week at 52 and a half. Um, and then we do, you know, one game in the 1 p.m. Uh, slate of games that has is Jacksonville, Detroit, is it also at over 50 point total. Uh, so I think those all of those games are going to be really popular, but I think there's other spots that are actually just as in play. Um, I, think, I think, you know, you. I read the, the one-week season write-ups. I thought they were excellent. And they, I think you touched on a couple of spots that could exceed those higher point total games. And those higher point total games may not be the ones that hit. Yeah, yeah. And the I think it's interesting, too, that everyone is seems to be early ownership numbers. It seems like people are treating the Jacksonville-Detroit game with a high level of certainty. We've seen a lot of shootouts with Detroit, and we just saw Jacksonville put up points last week. And it's always nice when you get the you get the low-owned Zay Jones score, and then you see everybody overreact to it. And so you don't – you know, you're like, well, cool, I already got that score. I don't have to overreact. Zay Jones is always a, a strong player. It's why, you know, he was a guy I was on last week at a low price tag, but um, also kind of a guy with a wide range of outcomes. And two teams in Jacksonville and Detroit that prefer to lean on the run and tend to turn pass heavy when they're pushed to turn pass heavy. And so if two teams are like that, it becomes less likely that the game turns pass heavy. That's the sort of game where it'll be surprising if it's low scoring, but it'll also be surprising if it's like 65 plus points. Right. And so betting on that game 
at higher ownership kind of becomes this thing where you, you need these other games to disappoint and that game to hit its highest end of its range, which I, I don't think if we took ownership out and strategy, and I don't think it's a bad way to play it, but looking at ownership, right? Like that, if that game were low on it, like, Hey, I want to pile up on this game, but looking at early ownership, it's kind of what's, what's interesting is then people are like, Oh, I can save salary at Trevor Lawrence. I can save salary with Zay Jones, Travis Etienne's underpriced. And, and so they're kind of in this 5k to 7k range of salary and it's leaving people off of Tyree kill and Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and AJ Brown. And like all, all these guys who are also capable of putting up 40 plus points on this slate. And so, uh, and there's a lot of a sub 4k wide receivers. I like this week, Deandre Carter, DJ shark, uh, sky Moore, Marcus Valdez, Scantling, Scantling's 4,100 Kendall Hinton. I mean, we won't get into all these players. If you're interested in like my deeper thoughts on it, it's all on, on OWS, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's some interesting value that has ceiling and then allows us to fit in some of these potential 40 pointers. So I will have like different roster construction approach for sure than the chunk of the field. It's like, Hey, lions and Jags, kind of this five K to seven K range. Uh, I'll go kind of like a little bit cheaper, a little bit more expensive and just get different ownership and hopefully get some 40 pointers because th this is a week that we could see 40 pointers from multiple players this week. I think what's leading a lot of people to this game is on DraftKings in particular. I think Amon Ra, St. Brown, and Travis Etienne um, are underpriced. And they, they've really kind of been underpriced all season. Uh, and so they've been popular players all season, and now they're facing each other. And I, I don't mind the idea of using those two guys together in like a DraftKings roster. And that, that gives you a lot of salary. You know, and, and they're, they're underpriced, so it gives you salary to spend on other pieces. I just don't think you need to go crazy on this game assuming that it's the one game that can hit and every other game is, is going to be, you know, is, is not going to have any valuable pieces. So I think that then that is leading people to, to Trevor Lawrence, right? Cause they're right. right. Game. Um, and I don't know that he's going to be putting up the outlier score that you need. Uh, and there's other games. Like I, I particularly like this Miami San Francisco game um, just because I, it reminds me a little bit of the Miami Baltimore game from earlier this season. I was actually looking at the two games. I was comparing those those two games. Uh, that Miami Baltimore game had like a forty three point total, yeah, for eighty points. And the reason it went for eighty points is there were five touchdowns uh, that went for fifty or more yards. And this this game, the San Francisco Miami game, has multiple players that can can go for those fifty yard scores, uh, like Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Jeff Wilson, who even has like a forty something yard rush rushing touchdown, Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle. And if they, it doesn't have the highest point total, but if, you know, if those guys get their 50 yard scores, suddenly it can go way over the total, right? And it can hit like 70 or 80 points. And we've said it before, like, yeah, you just want explosive players. Like you want a guy that ends the drive from his own 20 yard line uh, and then hands the ball back to the other team. And if the other team has somebody that can do the same thing, then suddenly you're going way over the total. Right? But I mean, it's also a game that could disappoint. It's got like a 46 point total. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, right? Most people don't want a game that could disappoint. We're totally fine with that because if we're not thinking about the, the downside, if we're thinking about the upside, well, the upside is, I, I do wonder, I'm curious, you know, I guess you and I, in, in some ways we kind of share a brain, right? Like we see these things similarly. Um, but also like, 
this is a game that I'm high on. This is a game that some other guys at OWS are high on. This is a game that, you know, you brought up as like this game that could have this outlier. And and we're seeing like 1% ownership on Tua. I, I do kind of want, I do think this is the spot, like other sharp DFS players are going to see this ownership and then be like, well, this is a spot, right? But I also kind of do wonder if, if um, you know, that willingness, like on your end, there's the willingness to be like, I don't care if I'm wrong. Like I'm chasing upside. Here's the highest ceiling. And on my end, I can take like my NFL knowledge and be like, oh, this is a better spot than people realize. Uh, I do. I'm like, I'm really curious to see if this actually is like false ownership projections. You remember when Rashad Penny was like 6% owned and we were like, oh, he's a really sharp play. And then he was, but he was like 30%. Sure. He put up 30 points, but he was 30% owned. Right. Um, he wasn't the edge. He was just like, you had to have him just to keep pace. Uh, I don't think Tua will be like that, but I could see him being a little bit higher owned or do you think it's just like hey the, the field's not going to be on this guy um and we will be because the totals actually dropped here the implied uh, the, the over-unders dropped the implied team total for um the dolphins dropped i don't care about that right the, the Bengals and steelers total dropped three points to 39.5 and, and the game played to 37 to 30 right like if i see something from my like nfl knowledge i'm okay still game total drops that's fine i'm looking for the upside um so that doesn't bother me i just I, maybe that'll draw ownership away. I don't know. You have any thoughts on that? I think I think the ownership is actually accurate. I, and some, I agree with you. Sometimes I see this thing. Some, and I was doing the Sunday morning show. I think we were talking about Tyree Kill's ownership. I think we had it at twenty five percent. Maybe it's going to be fifteen. Yeah, I think it, yeah, I think it ended up being sixteen. So there were just other receivers that came up kind of late in the day. Sunday, I think they, they became more popular. It's like there people were going to play those guys instead of Tyree Kill. Uh, and I, I, but at this time, I think the ownership is accurate so much is driven by point totals and so much is going to get driven to like to kansas city cincinnati uh and to this jacksonville detroit team because they have the highest point totals and really it's it's both it's both people that are projection oriented because so much of the projections come from right right median outcome of the point total right like you if you're building a projection system you start with the implied point totals and the biggest totals generally uh I, th- I think some of them don't but like I, most of them do and then they just say they work backwards from that. Okay, well, how many touchdowns are there going to be? How many like how many plays do we think they're going to be? And but it, do, it doesn't account for the fact that like some games could go way over their total, uh, and that's and that's that's where you find find an edge. But in terms of ownership, people are looking at the projections and like they, they, if the game doesn't have a high point total, it's not going to ha- have a high projected players. And then even casual players, like super super casual players that are just looking at their phones. Like, don't look at projections. They're at least looking at the baselines, right? And they're at least so. Oh, that game's, game's got like a point total that starts with a five, and all the other ones start with a four. Like, yeah, the guys from this game. Um, and and like, and that's not the worst starting point, but it is. It does cause ownership to condense over certain guys, and particularly for cash games. And then if you're playing different guys in single entry, like that's the point of this show. Yeah. So from, from the perspective of that game too, a couple of things that in case you're watching this and you're like, yeah, but why that game? Uh, because there's like the big red fifth next to Tua's name of like, Oh, this is a tough defense that he's facing. Uh, the 49ers are, they've allowed the fewest running back rushing yards in the NFL. The dolphins last week against the Texans who everybody just attacks on the ground, right? Texans had faced a 47% pass play rate. So below half the plays against them had been passes. Uh, Dolphins came out 80% pass play rate against the Texans of all teams. There's no way that Mike McDaniel, who knows this 49ers defense inside and out after being there in that building for years, there's no way he is going to come out and say, 
well, let's run the ball over and over again, right? So that's part of this already taken care of is they're going to pass. And then the question is, can they be effective here? Well, the 49ers shut down the Chargers, they shut down the Seahawks, they shut down the Cardinals, but all of those are offenses that don't really scheme guys open and don't do a great job creating space in their with their scheme. Uh, the Chiefs, meanwhile, put up 44 points in this matchup. Mahomes threw for over 400 yards. Chiefs had over 500 yards of offense. And their offense is a much closer comp to what the Dolphins do, which is design their offense in such a way that it creates space in the defense and basically gets the ball into guys' hands in space. And so uh, I do, I really like the spot because the question marks are already condensed in terms of we know how the Dolphins will attack here. They'll pass. Uh, Dolphins have also allowed the second fewest rushing running back rushing yards in the NFL. So if the 49ers are behind, we know that they have weapons. We know that they're capable of, of scoring quickly and they're likely to feel comfortable tilting away from uh, the ground. Also, Christian McCaffrey is not a great fit for their run scheme, but he's a great fit for their passing attack. And so uh, with Elijah Mitchell out, this is a spot where it would make sense for them to lean on Christian McCaffrey in that more dynamic way. And yeah, I mean, that's a game that I love. And I, I also like the fact, you know, Cincinnati, Kansas City, two high pass rate teams, right? Great game environment. But we can keep in mind that that game, AFC Championship, was 27 to 24. And that's, you know, Vegas is still saying 50% of the time it'll finish below whatever, 52 and a half points. Um, that's the type of game where it would finish below is not way below, but just kind of in that range where if that happens, that's not a had to have a game environment with the price. tag. I really like that game as well, by the way, but uh, not a had to have a game environment. And then this Miami and, and San Francisco game could really take off. But yeah, I mean, I, that's a spot where if I'm going single entry this week, I mean, I'll definitely have some three entry max, right. And some lower dollar, like some hundred dollar, $200 single entry. I don't know if I'll play the game changer, uh, 1500 buy-in with single entry. But um, if I do like, that's definitely a spot I'm leaning toward because um, it's like your qualifier approach, right? It's like, where can I get the most upside at really low ownership? Because then you get that first place or nothing type of, of setup. Yes. So in the vein of like kind of lower point total games with guys, I, I don't understand why they have single digit ownership. And I think it's going to change, but then I think, Oh, maybe it won't uh, is uh, Houston and Cleveland is is an interesting game for me because I you know I, I think there's a huge storyline with Deshaun Watson going back to to Houston. We've got him as I think the second highest owned quarterback in uh, you know the Road of Grinders ownership projections. Uh, second highest owned quarterback is Deshaun Watson, and Houston gives up more rushing yards than any other team in the league. Cleveland likes to run the ball. They've got one of the best rushing you know running backs in the league. Why is Nick Chubb at like five percent ownership? I, I know he's expensive, and he you know generally hasn't caught passes. But like, why wouldn't why wouldn't Cleveland just run Nick Chubb, especially if they're trying to get Deshaun Watson, trying to get him a win, and they're trying to get him? You know, yeah, they want him to throw some touchdown passes, but like, yeah, they want to get him a win. They want to get him like acclimated to the offense, like in back in front of playing in front of you know huge numbers of fans. Uh, why wouldn't they just run Nick Chubb the whole game and see if Houston can tackle him? Yeah, your the way you just described how the Browns are probably viewing Deshaun Watson is exactly the way I'm seeing it, right? Like he hasn't played a game in two years and he's only been able to practice the last few weeks. And the Browns are still like inside their building. They still feel like, hey, if we keep winning, we are still we still have a shot at the playoffs, right? So it's not like they've been giving Deshaun Watson first team reps for games that they need to win that week, right? Like Jacoby Brissett's been getting the first team reps. Sean Watson's just practicing he's been running the scout team in fact and so 
Uh, it's not like he has a ton of rapport with these wide receivers and timing. And Stefanski has talked about like, hey, those reps from the summer are still banked, right? But it's hard to come into a live game for the first time in two years and like be fully in stride. Um, you know, I, I did point out this week that Deshaun Watson in 2020 had some 30 plus point games on like 33 pass attempts, 25 pass attempts, 35 pass attempts. But I think he'll have to do that, right? I think he'll end up with like 29 to 33 pass attempts and need to put up 300 yards and three touchdowns. If he's low owned, I'm interested in him. If he's high owned, I'm not, is kind of how I see it. Uh, Chubb, Chubb's interesting, right? He has two games in his career north of 33.3 DraftKings points. And they came in 2018 and 2019. So it is like, it's hard for him to bury you for not having played him. And I do think the, like, this is, I'll say this too, when you were talking about Amon Ross St. Brown, the opportunity cost of not targeting a 40 pointer this week, I feel is somewhat high. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe nobody tops, maybe only like three guys top 30 points and nobody tops 35. But the way I'm playing this slate is who could get me 40? And so, like, if Amon Ross St. Brown puts up 23, 24, everybody who rostered him at 7,100 is going to be like, nice, that's a great score. But that's like a big chunk of salary that prevents you from playing A.J. Brown, Tyreek Hill, uh, Austin Eckler, Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, like these guys who could get you Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, these guys who could, could get you 40 points. And if you don't, if those scores happen and you don't get them, you're in trouble. So that's kind of how I see Nick Chubb is I think the opportunity cost is a little bit high. Like, I think he's a super sharp play in terms of, I think he gets 26 to 33 points. Right. Um, but then what if, what if Jamar chase and, and AJ Brown put up 45 a piece and like you, you can't win without them. So I, I am like, I'm looking at opportunity cost as well, but I do think I fully agree with you on how, like we should be looking at that Cleveland game. So we'll, we'll go, we'll keep on narrative street with uh, with AJ Brown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, mean, I think it's going to be another interesting matchup, another game that's got a lower or middle, you know, point total. But you know, we've, we've talked about like Tennessee forces teams to, to pass the ball. And, and so and that's not necessarily actually kind of, I was looking at this game thinking like, it might be a good like bet. Like we, we don't really cover that, but like, this is not necessarily a good matchup for the Eagles. Um, but it, it'll be interesting because I think if the Eagles do win this game, I think there's a good chance that AJ Brown has a, a big game because I, I don't think it's a, a good game necessarily for Jalen Hurts, but I think it's a, like it's a good game like because he's a Russian quarterback. But maybe and, and there's the narrative street of AJ Brown going back to, to Tennessee, and we've seen AJ Brown put up three touchdowns in a game before this season and break a slate. Uh, and so he's a he's an interesting you know wide receiver that's not necessarily projecting that well. And again, it comes down to the point total of the game, but there's a, a few, a handful of reasons why he could easily break this league. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, so this is a really interesting spot for me. And I think that the the perception, I won't go super deep into this, but the perception here is like, Yes, Tennessee tilts teams toward the air, but will the Eagles actually take advantage of that? Like, will they actually pass the ball, right? And we saw them, like, go run heavy against the Packers, but of course you're going to do that against the Packers, right? The Packers are great pass defense, bad run defense. Um, The Eagles are, like, middle of the pack in pass rate over expectation. And the expectation against Tennessee is to go pass heavy, right? Uh, And the two, the closest comp, for what the Eagles are facing this week is Washington. As far as like what else has been on their schedule, Washington ranks 14th in DVOA against the pass, fourth against the run, Tennessee 17th and first. So two games against Washington, the first game, Jalen Hurts threw 300, I think 340 yards, three touchdown passes, 35 pass attempts. Second game, he only threw 26 passes, but the Eagles only had the ball for 19 minutes and 34 seconds. And the Eagles called a pass play on 16 of their first 21 plays in that game. And three of those plays, we can throw them out because the Eagles started with, uh, they forced a fumble, got the ball at the 18 yard line. These were not scripted plays. It was a sudden change, get the ball at the 18 yard line. They ran the ball three times and scored a touchdown. So their other first 18 plays were 16 passes and two runs. And so I think that we can look at this and say, how are the Eagles going to play here? Like Nick Sirianni, this is why I watch all these coaching press conferences every week. Nick Sirianni has talked about, being adaptable, right? And so I think that the perception in this spot is like, man, most teams attack to the air here, but what are the Eagles going to do? But the way I look at it is like, no, it's high probability that the Eagles attack through the air and then Dallas Goddard's out. And then if we want to go down narrative street, uh, not only was AJ Brown hurt by the fact that he helped build this Titans franchise and then got traded when he wanted to get paid right his rookie contract done this on his rookie contract got traded they drafted his replacement but on top of that Nick Sirianni is a player's coach and AJ Brown and Jalen Hurts are really tight shower narrative whatever whatever right but these two are close friends and so it would seem that a pretty high probability in my mind that the Eagles attack through the air b pretty high probability that they say hey let's get the ball into AJ Brown's hands here so uh 3% ownership I, I checked this this morning it was like Where's AJ Brown going to be? Roll the dice, right? Like, is he going to be like 12%, 5%? When I saw 3%, I was like, well, I mean, I'm going to be at least like 5X that in large field play, maybe 10X that in large field play. And, and I might have him on my main roster. So, yeah, I like that play a lot this week. It's interesting because it, there is always this question, and you see this across sports, of like how much do you put into to narrative? And I, I think in football, particularly later in the season, particularly if it's not going to affect like playoff positioning, like I put a ton of, I put a ton of emphasis into narrative in NBA regular season as well. Like, you know, I think there's narrative because like the games just aren't as, as meaningful. You know, over the yeah, course yeah, of yeah, the yeah, season. that makes sense. Um, but yeah, and like in football, like why? Yeah, why wouldn't they? Like, you know, if you're a quarterback, you generally, you know, you're you're you've got to throw the ball to somebody in the in the red zone. And of course, you want someone that's that's open and, and can get a touchdown. Like if. If AJ Brown has a huge game, Devontae Smith is not going to get annoyed or upset, or you know, yeah. whoever else would be expecting to get you know thrown. He's oh, of course, that's yeah, good. It's good we got AJ Brown 
you know, his touchdown or his two touchdowns or three touchdowns against the Titans because that's really meaningful to him. And this is a, an Eagles team where they want to keep everybody happy. Like maybe that's the most important thing at this point in their season right now is keep everybody happy. And like, let's roll into the, into the playoffs. Like, yeah, of course they want to make AJ Brown happy. Um, and, you know, and have him go into to Tennessee and, and, you know, put up a big game. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't think there's any reason not like to get away from the, the narrative. In, in- it's not like, it's not like we're saying, Oh man, let's go all in on DJ Shark, you know, because he's gonna like have a nice game against the Jags. Because yeah. if they're if they're and I like Shark this week as a salary saver, but if they're focused on Shark, they're lowering their chances of winning. Well, if the Eagles already have to pass and they decide to focus on AJ Brown, like they're increasing their chances of winning along the way. So uh, it, it would make sense for them to do like even if we didn't have the narrative, AJ Brown would be a guy I would like this week, and so. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that the fact that he's coming in with low ownership, I mean, it's a very easy bet to make in large field play just from an upside perspective. But um, if I lose on a main build because A.J. Brown puts up 16 to 18 points, like I can live with that just because I know that this is a week where I think that the way to win is going to end up being getting 40 pointers. And he's one of the guys who's like capable of those 40 points. I mean, like an A.J. Brown plus burrow plus jamar chase plus tyree kill build if you could figure out a way to do it like people won't won't be on that people are scared of the jamar chase ankle return people aren't playing aj brown tyree kills ownership's a little bit low and that could be you know that's could be 120 points right there throwing kittle uh, opposite tyree kill right and that could be like 160 points from these four guys actually i think the kittle call is interesting because he's a guy that can be very dependent on game script okay it's no. if- the 49ers are just trying to run out the clock, like and then he's going to be blocking. He's going to be run blocking. But if if the game is wide open, he can you know then he's running more routes and you know and he's he's out there you know in in a position to to break a, a position at tight end where we where getting that position right can be a big difference on on your DFS rosters. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago we took an, an under on Jimmy Garoppolo thirty two and a half pass attempts, and I dug up that like in his last. In his previous 14 wins, he'd been under 32 and a half pass attempts 13 times. He was like 13 and one to the under in wins. And it was, it was I forget what game it was, but they were favored by like 10 points, right? So you're like, if they're winning, you're winning this prop. And that's the thing with this 49ers offense, right? If they're winning, then they're going to lean on the run. But what if the Dolphins are putting up points here? Well, now you've got Garoppolo throwing the ball. And now you have Kittle more involved. You have these opportunities for these big plays. And so... Um, yeah, and like you said, these guys who can score from anywhere on the field, and that, that includes Ayuk, that includes Debo, um, and they're all coming in with low ownership. So, yeah, I might I might be solving my single entry dilemma a little bit here, just because um, you know if we're gonna if we're gonna say first place or nothing, right? Like this is a place to go, first place or nothing. Of course, like Mahomes because of the salary uh, squeeze that people are creating with the Jags and, and Lions, we're still seeing low ownership on Mahomes, Kelsey. Um, like there are some interesting ways to play that game as well, don't you think? Yeah. Um, I, so yeah, I mean, that's the, was it, that's the higher point total game, the second highest point total game of the week. Um, I don't know. I get, it's difficult. I, I don't know how the week shapes up and it, well, no, in retrospect, right. Was it the week where you just needed to, to pile on the, the high point total games? Um, Cause there was actually two other games that I was going to bring up uh, that are lower point totals that, oh, I like that. One of them in particularly you brought up as being a future Millie maker, Winner. Oh no! Yeah, <laughs> uh, in Atlanta. Um, and I was—I was actually looking at it. Surprised the point total was so low. Um, yeah, like forty-two and a half. 
and Atlanta's only, you know, Atlanta's projected for 20, 20 and a half points, but you've made the call like Kenny Pickett and, uh, and George Pickens are going to win somebody, uh, a millionaire, you know, a million maker winner by the end of the year. Um, are you sticking to that, or are you? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Matt Canada is kind of like he's trying to rain on that parade a little bit because the he's like we're used to the Steelers being somewhat aggressive, but he is like calling these games almost like, hey, if this game's close, we're not going to make mistakes, and we're not used to that from the Steelers. So I was expecting more of like the hey, let's develop Kenny Pickett and let's go with our typical pass-heavy approach. We can't run the ball anyway. Uh, but they've been more like balanced and more conservative unless they're pushed to put up points. And so I don't see them proactively throwing the ball and trying to put up a bunch of points in this spot. One, what I do think is interesting is that if they do, right, like Kenny Pickett's, I think it's in six of seven games, he's thrown the ball over 30 times, right? So like, or 30 plus times. Um, and so like, he's still going to throw the ball 33, 34, 35 times. And if he's doing that, there's still opportunity against this defense for 300 yards, two or three touchdowns. Um, but I think we would need Atlanta to push them in order for the game environment to really take off. And that's harder for me to see. Um, but the great thing too, is it free, like it's a cheap stack, right? So it frees up salary to get some of these extra upside pieces. But I am like, I, I, I do think that that predictions in jeopardy because of the way that they're calling uh, this offense, definitely not one that I'm on in single entry, but uh, I like Pickens as like an upside guy at 5K and and Briar Muth at his price tag. Uh, I like both of them, but um, yeah, I'm I'm a little concerned about my call on that one. Yeah, no, I, but actually, I, I think it's still reasonable, and I actually think that was a, an important distinction you made. That I actually do, I think it's a good game if you're doing 150 lineups or if you're entering, you know, hundreds of thousand person tournament we you know where people can other people can enter 150 lineups and maybe this is a game uh, atlanta's like fifth fifth most yards allowed in the in the nfl this game's going to see like minuscule ownership um so why not like why not play the the pittsburgh you know the pittsburgh stack maybe this is a week maybe this is a week there they're trying to develop any ticket more they like, trying to let him air it out against a poor defense um and then that game starts playing at a much faster you know pace or there you know there's more plays and Atlanta's running it back. So I think it is a good game, but not necessarily a good single entry game. Um, and then one other low point total game I want to talk about, and then we'll maybe we'll talk about the Chiefs and Bengals, but uh, Jets Vikings, I, I think is a little bit interesting. Uh, Minnesota allows the most passing yards in the NFL. Uh, Garrett, it seems like Garrett Wilson's really coming on. I, I think Garrett uh, Wilson's a guy that we're going to look at and be like, I can't believe we, you know, I can't believe he was only that price uh, by the end of the season. And uh, Mike White looked good. Like we, we kind of, I think we touched on him briefly last week. And, you know, it's a really cheap quarterback. He ended up going out and, and having a pretty decent game. Uh, and so can the Jets put up points against this? And then also it looks like Michael Carter is going to be out as well. So you might have some very cheap pieces from the Jets that you can fit in. And then they're you know, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL on the other side, although with a difficult matchup. Yeah, I, I don't think I'll go... I mean, I, I'm fine with um, the Jets' cheaper pieces, Donovan Knight and Garrett Wilson in single entry. I don't think I'll go to like the Justin Jefferson like game stack in in single entry. Um, and maybe I'm overthinking it, but I, I think that the like the Jets' zone heavy defense is going to allow for more catches for Jefferson, but like harder for him to pick up a bunch of yards, harder for him to have a blow up game. Um, but no, I mean, I, I do think it's like. Here's the thing. Projection systems aren't going to be on it. 
and the casual player is not going to be on it and people like me are not going to be on it, which really leaves this game stack to like DFS players like you, right? Who are just like, hey, what are the spots that can hit that other people are not on, right? Where like a couple of years ago when Blender was in our like uh, discord with our, our, all our contributors and like some of the things that he would say in there, like when Cubs fan was playing heavy volume and he'd text me, like some of the thoughts that those guys have, like me as an NFL guy, I'm like, yeah, but that's just wrong. Like that just can't hit. But that thinking allows you to find the plays that do hit when I'm like, yeah, but it really can't. And so um, that's kind of how I see that one. I do think that the, you know, you said that about Garrett Wilson's price and like I, that brought up to me in my mind, like Mike Johnson on our site said that in like week four about Garrett Wilson. He's like, this is a guy who's probably going to be like 7K deeper into the season. Uh, and then, you know, Zach Wilson ended up uh, killing his value there for a while, but now we've got a chance, right? To maybe this is a 7K wide receiver that we're getting at 5,300. So um, yeah, no, I do like that side of the ball. And I think that Minnesota is going to score enough that the Jets will have to do something on offense and they're cheap. But um, I, I can't pull the trigger on the game environment. Um, what about you? I, th- I will probably end up being overweight. I'm, I'm going to probably end up being overweight Garrett Wilson because he doesn't have to do a ton. And there's, there's not a ton of value that I'm seeing, and but there's a lot of expensive pieces that I want. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. So, but I think Garrett Wilson will be a guy that I'm comfortable putting in and knowing he has high upside. Like he, he could have, you know, slate breaking upside. I mean, he could be an excellent NFL wide receiver. And me, yeah, I think it was Zach Wilson who was maybe holding him back. And maybe that was a blessing, right, for, for DFS players that are interested in playing Garrett Wilson at a lower price later in the season. Uh, because if he had a better quarterback the whole year, like maybe he would be 7K and, you know, 8K. Uh, and and maybe we'll see that by the end of the year. Maybe not. But, um, you know, it, it's, a, it's an interesting environment. So it'll be in Minnesota. Um, and... I, I think maybe it's yeah, maybe it's not single entry. Maybe it's it's something to be overweight on if you're doing 150 lineups. Uh, but I do I like that idea of maybe like playing Mike White and, and Justin Jefferson. Uh, you know, along obviously like Garrett Wilson, and then we'll see we'll see what happens with the Jets running back situation um, because I think it was Bam Knight uh, could be you know, could be getting more work and he's he's a value piece as well. Uh, yeah. So um, I think last game. You know, that we maybe should talk about it. You know, is it this Chiefs Bengals game? Focus on that just for a couple minutes. Um, I, you know, it's the highest point total to, to rematch of the playoffs, but I, I don't know that it's going to hit the, the total that it needs to hit to pay off the player salaries. I guess the, the pieces that I'm interested from the game are so expensive, and there are peripheral pieces, particularly with the Kansas City wide receivers, but it's it can be tough to get them right. And there's so many of them now. <laughs> like, is it uh, Juju Smith, Schuster, uh, Marquez, Valdez, Scantling, Sky Moore, Justin Watson? Like, you're trying to guess right there, I feel like. Um, and then Mahomes and Kelsey are very expensive. Yeah. I mean, this is the type of offense that they can be down to four receivers. And then you look in their box score, and like 11 players caught a pass, you know? And you're like, who's this guy? And who's this guy? Who's this guy? You're and right. that's kind of that's like what they capitalize on right now is you just don't know what they're going to do, but that's really hard. like it is, it does become the offense. It's the antithesis of the Raiders, right? Where uh, when I was just on, on Pete Overs that show, he brought up a, a roster that Osmo won the spy with. And it was like, it was Derek Carr and Matt Collins and Josh Jacobs and, um, and Devontae Adams. Like 
somebody asked about one of Osmo's rosters earlier this year on our inner circle podcast. And I broke it down of like why it made so much sense to go so overweight on the dolphins. Right. But it's these concentrated offenses where you say, if this team scores a lot of points, I know I'm getting all the production by getting like these four players, the, the chiefs, you can take four players and like get three of them wrong. You know, <laughs> like you don't know where the production is going. So that is hard. It could end up being like a, a 38 to 31 game and you still end up on the wrong pieces on Kansas city. So it gives you extra things you need to get right. You need the game environment to take off and then you need to guess the right pieces. Whereas like dolphins, we already know they're going to pass. We know who they're going to pass to. So it's just like, are they successful or not? You know? And so um, I do think that the Kansas city gives you extra things to have to get right. And I do think that it's possible for, you know, uh, both these teams are going to play zone heavy coverage. They're going to try to force the other team to kind of just march the field. So I do think it's possible that this game finishes, you know, very hard for this game to totally crater, but I do think it's possible for it to be 24 to 27 or uh, 21, 27 or whatever, you know, 27 to 20, something like in that range. And then you didn't have to have it in order to win. So um, yeah, I mean, I like the fact that Jamar Chase, I like the fact that people are going to be kind of nervous to play him coming back from the ankle issue, but also he had like 54 receiving yards against Kansas city in the playoffs. Right. So um, he's capable of 266 yards. He did that week 17 against them last year. He's capable of 54 yards in this matchup. So uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's a very good game. I think the ownership's coming in a little lower than it really should, but it's also like, I don't think it's a game that's just definitely going to smash. Like you said, at the price tags, um, you do still need a lot to go right. I think I'm looking at the the prices I, and I'm realizing I'm going to end up underweight this game, probably potentially by a lot, just because it's, it's so hard to, to stack this game and have anything left over on a week where we don't have a necessarily a ton of value right now. Maybe if stuff opens up by, by Sunday, um, but it is, it's going to be tough to fit this game together as a stack. And I, and I, even the individual pieces are, are expensive enough, but I mean, I'll, I'm sure I'll distribute it across, you know, my hundred, 150 lineup set, but even for single entry, it's, it's a, and especially on a week where I think other lower priced games can hit, um, then I think I'm going to probably end up underweight this game. They, yeah. yeah. I don't know where I'm at on that. I think I'll, I mean, I don't think, I don't think I'm going to be like massively overweight this game from a starting point. Right. And then I, I'll be like even ish or I'll be underweight, but probably not substantially underweight. Um, but I do, I'm like, yeah, I I'm with you. Like, it's not just a sure thing in this spot. And at first glance, it can kind of feel like that. Right. But we saw it with bills and chiefs earlier this year, where at first glance, you're like, how is this game total not like 60? And then it ended up finishing under the game total that we all kind of felt like was a little bit low, right? Uh, those things happen and that can happen here. The, the Bengals have a good defense and um, both teams are each, like coaches don't care about stats, you know, like coaches care about wins. And so if they're like, okay, this is what the defense is giving us. We got to march the field, short area throws. Let's mix in the run a little bit more than normal. Uh, they'll do that because they want the best path to a win we're the ones who care about stats. So we do have to think about how they're going to play it. And I, and I think that, yeah, um, to, like exactly like you said, like it could finish like lower than people are anticipating for sure. All right. Uh, any, any final thoughts on the week? No, uh, I'm excited for this weekend. It's going to be a really interesting one where uh, a lot of potential upside, a lot of different ways to go. And I think the field is seeing like a very narrow way to approach this. And we can kind of move outside that into a lot of different areas that, that might end up being, the pathways that lead to first place. Yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting week. And, you know, we'll see. It could end up being a course field slate, like you've, you've described it, right? Where like you had to be on 
the, the Chiefs Bengals or the you know or this the Lions Jaguars game for I think just to easily be one of the other games. So yeah, we'll see. It'll be an interesting Sunday. We'll see what happens. All right, that'll do it for solo trip this week, and uh, we'll see you guys next week.